Party people, welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. It's the Ice Cold Show. It's your boy Ice Cold, and today we're recording in our brand new Ice Cold Show red long sleeve t-shirt. If you're interested in getting any merch from the Ice Cold Show, whether it be hoodies, um, t-shirts, sweatpants, long sleeve tees, crew necks, whatever it may be, Hit up my guy, DC4L Custom Tees. You can hit him on Twitter or Instagram. He has everything, not just Ice Cold Show uh, gear. He's got all kind of stuff, different merchandise. He does custom. Uh, he do, does logos. Anything you need, you can hit him up, and he's a great guy to work with. So please make sure you tune in with him. Uh, that being said, let's jump into our, um, our quote of the day. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die... Life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. Um, that is by the great Langston Hughes. Uh, we had an eventful uh, weekend for sports. There's a lot going on in the world. You had Team USA lose to Nigeria in an exhibition game. Um, we had uh, we had uh, hockey. Uh, was it the Tampa Bay Lightning won the, the Stanley Cup? Uh, so much going on, but we're gonna focus on. Um, the things that we like to focus on on the Ice Coast Show because it is the Ice Coast Show and I do what I want. Uh, we'll talk about the UFC um, card, two, uh, UFC 264, and we'll talk about the main card. And also we'll talk about Game 3 of the NBA Finals, uh, being that we finally have a series. You know, the Bucks are on the board and the Bucks were able to steal a game. Uh, but first, let's focus on the UFC first. We had UFC 264 on Saturday night, which was headlined by Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, a trilogy fight between the two. Um, it was a good card. The undercard was great. It was a lot of it was a, a couple competitive fights on the undercard. Saw a lot of action, and the main card was was pretty solid too. Um, we we gonna focus on the main card over here. If you wanna, if you're interested in the the undercard, um, you can find that on ESPN Plus, and you can watch it. But the main card for a lot of people who didn't get a chance to watch it or waiting to to see the pay per view, whatever you got going on, here's a little bit of the main card for you. Uh, we started off with Sugar Sean O'Malley uh, teeing off on Chris Mutino through all three. This is a bantamweight fight through all three rounds. Um, Sean was 72% accurate with his strikes, almost breaking the UFC record, which is 238 significant strikes um, in, a, in a bout, and he had 230, so basically eight punches away. And to be honest, if the fight didn't end the way it, it ended, he probably would have broke that record. Um, big shout-out to Chris, though. In this fight, he was able to endure. His fighting style was basically to come forward all fight, and no matter what, that's what he did. I mean, he consistently just came at um, at Sean O'Malley, putting pressure on him, just walking forward. The whole time, basically, Sean O'Malley had to fight off of his back foot, which to me kind of like keeps him from being able to sit down on his punches. And if those who don't know a lot about fight sports, sitting down on your punches, basically when you're able to like stand still pretty much, 
get your feet under you and, and be able to draw that power basically from your legs up and get that torque on that punch. Basically, he was fighting off his back foot, backpedaling all fight. Um, even though he was the aggressive, he was the one landing punches. I don't think uh, Chris Mutino landed over thirty, uh, over 40 punches in the fight. So it wasn't like he was getting stalked necessarily. But Chris Mutino was just walking forward and just getting punched repeatedly. Um, the... I have to give credit to Matino not only for taking the abuse, but he picked he came and took this fight on eleven days notice, and that's that's wild for you to have to make weight, be prepared on a guy in eleven days to go out there and perform is pretty much you asking for the unthinkable. And he's a guy who's on his way up in the climb, and this win against Sean O'Malley that was something he couldn't turn down. An opportunity to beat one of the the favorites and one of the most exciting fighters in UFC right now. Um, he took a chance, and it just didn't work out for him. Um, 30 seconds left in the fight in the third round. Herb Dean uh, finally steps in and stops it. And it was a controversial stop, to say the least. Um, being that I thought the fight should have ended a long time before that, um, because O'Malley was really hurting this guy. I mean, he was hitting him and stunning him, and the dude was Chris Martino wasn't fighting back. His hands weren't up. He had no head movement. He was just walk, blindly and aimlessly walking forward. And Sean O'Malley's hand speed on display was, oh, my God. It was his his hand speed and his accuracy. He was hitting him on the button. He dropped him a few times. He was hitting him on the button. Boom, in the eye. Boom, on the jaw. Boom, in the nose. Like, every single punch. And he didn't throw him at one at a time. It was combinations. One, two, every time. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. It was, oh man, it was a display like none other, but I figured if you're going to let a guy go three rounds of literally being abused, there was not one point in the fight where I thought Chris Mutino stunned Sean O'Malley or was fighting back. He literally got abused for not, what, eight minutes and 30 seconds, and then to stop it with 30 seconds left, you might as well let him go and get the moral victory, let him let it go to decision, even let O'Malley break the record, but instead we called the fight, which I felt should have been called earlier. Uh, the crowd didn't really like it, but to me, it was unhealthy, man. To watch it, 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 it stopped being it stopped being entertaining, and I started feeling bad just watching that guy get his face beat in. And um, just another display of hand speed, sharpness for Sean O'Malley, who it's the second time he's fought, I believe, in 2021. Last time, similar, he looking for the knockout, just teeing off on a guy who keeps coming forward, and the ref. Should have stopped the fight a couple times, didn't stop it, and the guy ended up getting hurt real bad and getting hit with a clean punch while he was on his back. So, um, Sean is just continually rising, and I can't wait for him to get a title shot because uh, he's he's uh, he's inching on that. Next, we had Irene Aldana, who who had a nice knockout in the in the next fight, catching Yana Kunitska with a nice right hand on the button, finishing with a little ground and pound for the finish. Uh, Irene. Super sharp on her feet. Her background uh, in boxing definitely showed, and she was able to put herself in a position where she's one step closer to a title fight. As Kunitska had a set, uh, sorry if I'm saying it wrong, Kunitskaya had a setback on her road to the gold. Uh, Irene Aldana just showed so much on the feet with her hand speed and her boxing being just super elite, and that's where she excels. You would think that uh, maybe um, Yana would try to get her on the ground or throw a lot more kicks and keep her at distance, but she came forward, and every time she came forward, Aldana caught her with nice, clean punches. 
hand speed out of this world. Like some of the most elite boxing that I've seen um, in a long time, especially in the women's division in the UFC, because Holly Holm is a, a fighter who's similar in her boxing skills as Aldana, but Aldana's hands are sharp, just very, very sharp. I definitely like what I saw from her. And for Kuniska, she just going to have to get back to work. I mean, she definitely was higher ranked than Aldana, but, you know, took a loss in the first round, got caught with a clean punch. Looks like she got her nose broken or was had a very bloody nose, which is something that she's had in her in recent fights. So want to see her bounce back because these are two contenders that I like in the women's division. People, when you hear a women's fighter, you think of uh, Wei Zhang Li. Uh, you think of, of course, Amanda Nunes. Shevchenko and Holly Holm, but it's rounding out, and I think the the fighters that are not just the the champions in the division are rounding out, and we've had like really good women's division, uh, a deep women's division for the first time in a long time. So uh, shout out to those ladies and putting on a good performance. The next fight, it was Greg Hardy getting put to sleep quick in the first round of the uh, or in the third fight of the main card in the first round, walking into a hellacious hook from. Tai Tuivasa. Uh, Tai, who was a crowd favorite, came out to the Spice Girls. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Uh, it, was, it was hilarious. And Greg Hardy, if those who don't know his story, he was a football player, uh, had a, had some troubles, legal troubles we ain't going to get into, um, and ended up going to UFC. And he's, he's had an up and down UFC career, definitely more wins than losses, but um, just a raw prospect. He has the power. He has the stand-up ability but struggles with a little bit of technique and footwork. And I think you saw that in this fight. He kind of caught Tui Tuivasa uh, with a punch and blindly kind of walked forward. He First, when the fight started, he points to the center of the ring and said, hey, come on, let's, let's chunk him. And they start swinging. And as the exchange gets in, you know, these are big heavyweights. They're throwing powerful punches. He catches Tui Tuivasa. Um, kind of stumbles him, and then he rushes in. And what's that old old uh, saying? Fools rush in. He rushed in and got caught with a clean punch, and it put him straight down. Got his eye was swollen. Had a nice a nice shine on his eye, swollen shut. Uh, Tui wins, and the crowd goes crazy, giving the crowd what they want. He goes in the crowd, tied Tui voice, uh, and starts drinking beers out of people's shoes. That's his thing. I think they call it a shoey. He walks down the aisle, he gets some hot sauce poured in one of the shoe beers, drinks it, drinks it out of, and these is random people's shoes. He drinks someone out of, drinks it out of another person's shoe. Then he goes to the tunnel, and someone's pouring beer from beer from the top of the tunnel, tunnel down his mouth. It was just crazy, man. And that's what the UFC is cool. It's cool about the UFC. You have these guys who have so much personality, like Conor McGregor. Um, like John Jones, like Israel Adesanya, um, Kobe Covington, who I hate. They have so many, per so much personality, and you got so many different fighters from different places around the world. And it was just awesome seeing Tui go out there, go out there and fight in one of the most gladiator type of sports. Like you versus me, it's our hands, and that's all it is. Me and you strapped in a cage. For him to have a smile on his face, have fun, turning an event out of it, it was good. It was, it was definitely good to see. Um, the next fight was basically a, a snooze fest. It was Gilbert Burns versus Wonderboy Thomas. Uh, it just a fight who like lackluster. I like Stephen Wonderboy Thomas because he fights in that karate stance uh, with his hands low, and people think that hey, his hands low that means I can swing on him, and he just kicks the shit out of people, um, punches people. He got power in his hands. His dad is a trainer. Just one of the stand-up good guys I really like. And Gilbert Burns is an aggressive fighter who had a chance at the title, wasn't able to win. 
And I think uh, some people don't like those fights. And I don't. I know it's not the most exciting of fights, especially when we've seen we had knockout after knockout after knockout. Then you go to this fight, and it was just a kind of a snooze fest. But Gilbert was smart. He wasn't able to really have success standing up with Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy kept catching him when he did try to stand up, so he just took him down. Single leg, double legs, get on top of him, ground and pound, work on uh, just con body control, keep ground control, keeping him on the bottom, keep him under you, stay on top of him, and that's pretty much what, what we saw the fight. Wasn't a lot of action. They ended, I believe, the second round. They were on the cage. Wonder Boy was trying to get up, couldn't get up. Uh like 10 seconds left in the round and they just grab each other and just start punching. It was it was it was funny. It was funny but it was cool like hey, if this is the position we in, I guess we're going to swing on each other. So it was a good fight but for those who don't like uh fights like that or and it's not exciting, keep in mind that this is a sport and if that was street fighting and Gilbert Burns was on top of on top of Wonder Boy like that, it would have been ugly for him because there is no end of the round for you to get up. There is no one to help you up or pull you up, pull you off of each other. And there is no stopping at the bell. That's a real fight. I'm gonna just lay on top of you because I'm not tired. And as much as you try to get up, I'm gonna just pound on you. So in essence, keep in mind that they are fighting, and that is a winning fight. It may not may not be the most exciting way to win a fight, but that was a dominant performance by Gilbert Burns, um, being as it may. And next, whoo, fireworks between Connor and Dustin. This fight buildup has been crazy. There's been threats. There's been all kind of stuff going on in the press conferences, and it didn't disappoint early on. Bell rings. They go out, and Connor is attacking, and Interesting enough, the same way he lost the last fight with, by the leg kick pretty much being tore up with the leg kick, he started kicking the hell out of Dustin's leg with great success. His boxing was sharp. He was tagging Dustin. He was in control of the fight early on. And the next thing you know, Dustin kind of makes a mistake and Connor unfortunately goes for a guillotine. When he goes for the guillotine, he kind of drops on his back and Dustin is a better wrestler than Connor. It is what it is. And Dustin, after that point, had control of the round, pretty much winning the round uh, from that point. He uh, he was able to land some nice elbows, a nice ground and pound on Connor while Connor was basically stuck on his back, but landing some beautiful up kicks, tagging Dustin with up kick after up kick. To me, even stunning him at a point, uh, they get back on their feet just a little bit left in the round, and Connor and Dustin both throw punches. They both miss, and Connor steps back on his on his leg, and when he steps back, his his ankle just folds underneath him, and it breaks. Um, he can't get up. Fight is called at that moment. Uh, he can't continue. He has a broken leg. Uh, Dustin gets the win, and not pandemonium doesn't ensue because we saw with Khabib and Connor after that fight. That is true pandemonium. So I won't say pandemonium, but the war of words did not stop. The promotion for the next fight started early because. Dustin had nothing nice to say about Connor, which he can't blame him. And Connor didn't have nothing to say about Dustin from the ground. And he mentioned, hey, just a doctor stoppage. Make sure we know it's a doctor stoppage. You didn't beat me. You know, I broke my leg. And Dustin made it clear. He felt like, hey, he tried to throw a leg kick. I was able to check one of his leg kicks, and I felt something in his leg snap. He's like, hey, this is a good competitor. He came out. He was hitting me hard. He caught me with a cross. He caught me with those leg kicks. But I, I checked one of his kicks, and then eventually his leg broke on him. It is what it is. I beat him. 
And the whole time he's talking, Connor's on the ground yelling. And, you know, he's definitely in Dustin's head because Dustin can't enjoy his interview. He's worried about what Connor's yelling at the ground, telling Joe Rogan to look at Connor. Connor's yelling back at him, uh, all kind of stuff. They go and talk to Connor, and you can see the, the emotion, the frustration, um, the bitterness in, in his voice. I mean, just lost against your arch rival at this point, freak accident. A fight that you were definitely started off well and you had footing, but you made a mistake and you end up pretty much, I would say, lose the round. 10-9 uh, round for Dustin. But for him to be hurt like that, it was tough. And he said, you know, I was kicking the bloody leg off of him. I was boxing his head off, whatever he said in his accent. And the funniest part to me is, uh, you know, Dustin says something as he's walking out the ring and Connor's like, yeah, that's why your wife is in the DMs. Hey, baby, the after party is here. I mean, it was... <laughs> Connor is an entertainer, man. He is the uh, the pure definition of a showman. I will watch no matter what. As uh, long as he's there, I'm going to definitely be watching it. So a big shout out to Connor because they're going to fight again. Uh, there's no way they don't fight again. There's no closure. And as much as Dustin uh, technically won the fight and as much as he can celebrate his victory, nothing wrong with it. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't cheat to win. It's got to be not satisfying to win the the win the way he did. And I'm sure he wants to finish Connor himself or win a decision himself. So I expect to see some more of that. I know Connor won't rest until he gets another fight. And if Connor does win the next one and he takes a, a, a it's a 2-2 lead, I guarantee they fight for the fifth time. And guess what? I'm going to watch it every time. So it was a successful card. All in all, it was, we I saw some good fights. Unfortunately, the main event didn't finish how we wanted to, but there was enough drama and there's enough excitement there to, to keep it going. So with that being said, let's jump into our favorite sport, the NBA basketball, the finals, all that above. Let's talk about game three. Uh, game started off slow offensively for both teams. Uh, the Bucks looked a little all over the place and frantic on the offensive side of the ball before Giannis was able to kind of settle them in. Uh, the Suns had trouble scoring, and it was due to the defense of the Bucks picking up full full court pressure, especially on Chris Paul uh, by Drew Holiday, has made a significant difference in the way the Suns have been able to get into their offensive sets, kind of rushing them through their their half court offense because it's taking them so long to bring the ball up the court. Um, Something to keep an eye on after scoring a three-point play in the first quarter. Giannis asked to come out of the game for a breather. Um, it's not a big deal, but this is the second game that I've noticed um, Giannis has asked to come out of the game. Like, he, he got fouled, shooting free throws, tells the coach, hey, I need one. And when he comes out, it didn't look like he had uh, his knee got worked on. It looked like they gave him any treatment. It was just as simple as... He was tired. And, I mean, they're asking him to do so much on both sides of the ball. I understand where he's coming from. So, definitely has to come out the game. And I'm wondering, going forward, as much as they're asking him to do and he is performing on both sides of the ball at such a high level, is fatigue going to play a factor as we get deeper and deeper in the playoffs? Um, that being said, Giannis came out the game and the flow definitely changed for both teams. As the Suns' offense looked... 100% better without the two-time MVP and defensive player of the year protecting the protecting the rim. Um, basically, it forced Giannis right back into the game because DeAndre Ayton was killing him in the post. Uh, super aggressive game for DeAndre Ayton early on. Uh, commanded post touches when he got switches. 
Back-to-back possessions, he was able to capitalize. First, having Pat Connington in the post, able to turn and hit him with a little jump hook, and then scoring on Drew Holiday in the post with a nice back down and a layup, finishing the first port the first quarter, leading all scores with 12 points. Uh, I saw a beautiful pick and roll by Drew and Giannis, and the only reason why I'm mentioning it, mentioning it now is because I've talked about before how their pick and roll doesn't look good all the time, and I want to make it known like, hey, I am watching for this, and I'm not just speaking on this because I saw coming after a foul, uh, they fouled Giannis, he takes out the ball, swings it to Drew, and sets a little pick and roll on the left wing, rolls to the rim. Uh, Drew gives him the ball. It worked beautifully, and I was just like, "That's a good. That's that's good to see from the Bucks early on that they're forcing the ball to Giannis. They're forcing. Uh, they're giving Drew Holiday the ball in his hands as a playmaker, not just as a catch and shoot player, not just as uh, a guy just uh, holding the ball as a placement to get the ball to Giannis. He's actually running plays and making made making decisions, and it looked better offensively. It had a better flow uh, to the game in the first quarter." Uh, all three guys for the big three of the Bucks played well. Um, they had good defense. They combined to score 19 of the Bucks' 25 first quarter points. Um, but that being said, the Bucks found themselves down three in a tightly contested first quarter in a game that they really can't afford to lose. Like all, every game in a, a seven game series is important to some extent. But when you're down two, 2 0, and you don't hold home court advantage, and it's your first game on the road, you can't go down 3-0 because it's psychological. No team has came back from a 3-0 lead. So early on, <coughs> um, excuse me, I was definitely nervous for the Bucks. Like, hey, your three guys are playing well, but you're still not able to separate yourself from the Suns. Um, moving on to the second quarter now. Basically, it was uh, more of the same early on in the fir- from the first for the Suns. Building their lead up to six points bef- uh, before the Bucks were able to call a timeout at around the nine-minute mark. Um, Brooke Lopez had two buckets uh, in the paint that stood out to me in this quarter. Uh, though his game wasn't super impressive all combined, I felt like when he scored these two points and how he scored these two points were definitely important for shifting the momentum and just making the Suns' defense react in a different way to Brook Lopez. thought it was big. He had a tip dunk after like a missed shot, and then he attacked the rim off of the dribble instead of settling for a three or settling for a mid-range jumper or doing the little move where he uses his elbow to clear space out. He was able to get the ball and kind of take it off the dribble, attack the defense, put pressure on him, and finish inside. And I like that aggressiveness from Brook Lopez. Something different than what we've seen from him as the Bucks, uh, as the on the Bucks and being known as just like a, a big guy who could stretch the floor out. Just seeing him kind of attack the paint and be aggressive and not settle was something I thought was good. Even though I, I did mention that I thought the Bucks should stagger some minutes between Giannis and Brooke Lopez, maybe not even starting Brooke Lopez and starting Bobby Portis. Not because Brooke is playing bad, but I like the matchup of Brooke Lopez against the second unit of the Phoenix Suns because I don't think there's anyone who can stop him in the paint. And as we saw, Giannis is can consistently now in two games asking for breathers early in games because he's tired you are asking a lot for this guy he is still coming off of an injury so I think staggering the minutes would help but if Brooke Lopez is going to play like that you definitely got to get him more touches in the post because I think he can be effective um next thing I want to talk about in this quarter was obviously uh Giannis Giannis strength has been displaying this game in game and in, in this game being the first game in Milwaukee. 
finishing and ones multiple times in the quarter or in the first half. And the way he's been cutting to the rim, cutting to the rim extremely hard makes him so scary. Um, Giannis is scariest when he's coming downhill with the ball, but there's no difference between him coming downhill with the ball and him coming coming downhill without the ball on a cut. He's still almost seven foot. He's still fast. He's still strong. And there's still nothing you can do. He repeatedly punished the Suns inside. He didn't settle for jumpers. He didn't settle for fadeaways. He got to the rim and not the post-up fade that he usually does, especially with DeAndre Ayton off the floor in the second quarter with foul trouble. You can see Giannis at the 5 minute and 15 second mark, for example, salivating, begging for the ball. And when he's dominating like this, he deserves it every single possession. It's the growth of Giannis where you see him saying, hey, they cannot stop me. I don't, I don't care if you have a good shot. I don't care if you're trying to find your rhythm. Right now, they cannot stop me. Give me the ball. I saw that from Giannis, and I think that's what the Bucks need moving forward. The They were able to find the rhythm, speaking of Milwaukee, in the second quarter, putting up 35 points in the quarter, shooting 50% from the field, and extending their lead to 15 points at the half, while the Suns struggled offensively. They just simply couldn't overcome the Bucks' defensive intensity, only putting up 17 points in the quarter. Devin Booker struggled, and I mean struggled only putting up seven points and shooting a horrendous 18% from the field, two for 11. Um, Aiton was the dominant force he's been for the Suns this whole playoffs in the first half, scoring 16 points on seven for nine shooting. But like I mentioned, he picked up his third foul in the second, which impacted the play of the, the, how the game was played so much moving forward. He can't, I mean, there's no one behind him. So if he's not in the game with foul trouble, I mean, it's a feast for a team that's already too small. It's a feast for the Bucks being able to go in there with Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Bobby Porters and just dominate them inside. The play of the half to me, uh, and some would say the play of the game, was the fast break close, to close out the half. Though the Suns were playing good, though the Suns, I already mentioned, they had a 15 points going into the half, it was closer than you think throughout the quarter. I mean, the Suns being as cutting the lead down to six and eight and and kind of flirting with the comeback and just making sure they kept it close going into half, which I thought was very dangerous. I still believe the Suns were going to come back and win this game for a long, long, long time. There was a play where Drew Holiday gets the block, uh, throws it ahead, uh, gets the ball back, coming down court, throws a behind-the-back pass to Middleton. Middleton gets it, drives in, throws a bounce pass across the key right back to Drew Holiday, and instead of going up with a contested shot, he throws a showtime uh, pass to the trailer, who is Bobby Porter's coming down the middle of the lane for a slam. And that just got the crowd fired up and brought the Bucks lead from eight. You know, they only had an eight-point lead, and uh, I think it was Cameron Johnson is about to score. Or Devin Booker is about to score a layup to cut it down to six. Instead, cutting it down to six, you get a... You get a steal, you go down and duck it, bring the lead back up to 10. You get the crowd involved. The Suns miss. Bucks go back down the floor, and Bobby Portis hits a three to extend the lead to 13. That fast from 6 to 13 in less than like 30 seconds. Thought that was incredible. Um, thought that was key, too, to kind of shut them down before they can go on a run. You know, kind of put the, put the Suns right back in their place, put them down 15 and make the uphill climb even steeper going into the half because Pfizer form was rocking. The Bucks, 
Another key, the Bucks, who had 21 assists in both of the first games in Phoenix, put up 18 assists in the first half alone in game three. Um, after following that second half, our second quarter, the Bucks came out in the third quarter and put up 38 points in the third, uh, following their 35 in the second. Giannis, similar, similar to the third quarter in game two, he absolutely dominated the Suns, scoring 16 points on four or five shooting in game three in the third quarter. And on top of that, he hit an amazing, listen to this, eight for nine from the free throw line. Guess you could say shooting free throws without people counting. One, two, that every time you're trying to shoot, it's kind of relaxing. It's kind of different. I think that's kind of, you know, moving forward. Teams should keep an eye on that. The fact that we're yelling and screaming and counting these one, two, whenever he is shooting free throws on the road, when he goes home and he isn't shooting those, and he isn't hearing that, he's way more relaxed and comfortable. His routine looked way more beautiful when he was shooting it at home. So something to keep, a, keep an eye on if his free throw shooting can continue and if he can pick up on that moving forward. Um, Aiton picked up that fourth foul early on in the third quarter, and it had a huge effect on the game. We already talked about it. They don't have debt depth anymore, especially at the big man position. And Aiden was only able to play a minute in the third quarter. And without Sarek, the Suns were forced to go small. And Giannis made them pay for it repeatedly. Suns set up in a zone defense. And for a minute, they had Milwaukee confused. They forced them to launch threes, which they haven't been shooting efficiently throughout the playoffs, especially in the finals. And Cam Johnson absolutely bodied P.J. Tucker at one point. With a good defense from the uh, leading to a fast break opportunity, Cam Johnson goes down the court. P.J. Tucker tries to slide in front of him at the rim and take a charge, and it was just a nasty dunk. Um, finished with two more layups in the quarter. Mikael Bridges hit a layup in between that and another three by Cam Johnson. He had a, a on fire third quarter, putting up 10 of his 14 points in the third and sparking the best run Phoenix made in the game cut their lead as low as four points with a little over five minutes left in the third. But this would be the closest the Suns got for the remainder of the game, and it didn't even last long them being that close as Drew Holiday hit a three immediately to bring the lead back up to seven after it was cut to four. And it, the reason why I will we'll kind of stay here for a minute because Cam Johnson being coming out and playing as well as he did in the third quarter was great because obviously you have no Sarek. He is a big body. He can defend multiple positions, and he does spread the floor. But now when he comes out, because he played 30 minutes this game, when he comes out, you still kind of don't have the – you're not in a position to play Sarek. I mean, you're not in a position to play Aiden because of his foul trouble. You don't want him to go out and pick out that fifth foul in the third quarter. So you kind of have to – you have no one to bring out and give a breather to Cam Johnson. And his production, it just dwindled after that point because he was tired. He didn't have a break. For me, that's what I saw. I could be wrong. I'm not in that man's body. I don't know if he's tired or not. But his production in the, that, the third quarter was pretty much all his production all game. So um, with the score going the 74 to 70 and the, the Suns getting as close as the four points that they did with five minutes left in the quarter, the Bucks closed out that quarter scoring 24 points in five minutes while holding the Suns to only six points the rest of the third. That means the score was 98 to 76 
when it was 74 to 70 with five minutes left in the third. From that point, the game was over. The fourth quarter was back and forth, um, you would say. I mean, the Suns probably scored 24 points. And I think the Bucks scored 22 points as they cleared, they emptied the benches out. And that was it. The Bucks came out, and as they've done all playoffs, they've been a, a whole different team at home than on the road. Their energy was different. Their intensity was different. And they came out, and they just stumped the hole in the Suns. The man in the room, my man in the room for this one was none other than the Greek freak, Yantis Antetokounmpo. Um, finished with 41 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists, being his second straight game with a 40-point double-double, 40 points and more than 10 rebounds in the game. Last game, he had 40, 40, I think, 3 or 41 with 12 rebounds. This one getting one more rebound, and the 6 assists to me was special. What we're seeing from Giannis is just incredible. Um, just absolutely incredible. And it's something you don't see from players in their first finals ever. Like a lot of players don't come out and perform like this in their first ever finals. The growth we are seeing from him as a player and as a leader through the as the playoffs progress is exactly what you want to see from your superstar. And it's so amazing to see. Giannis, who is refusing to settle for jumpers, uh, this game even hit his free throws, making 13 to 17 from the line. And if he can do that, he's going to go down as one of the best basketball players ever to play this game. He already is uh, going down in history as one of those if he just keeps on this, this straight projection. But a lot of people get caught up in what he can't do. We always talk about what guys can't do. I mean, this man is putting up 40 points and at least 10 rebounds in these finals games where his team needs every bit of it. And he's playing on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely incredible. And yet people keep talking about, can he shoot free throws or not? Regardless of him shooting free throws, which he made this game, he is unstoppable. This man is playing on a, a knee that we did, I didn't even know if he had any cartilage left in his knee after the fall he took. Um, and hyperextending it. And he's going out here and not only just performing well like in game one he performed okay for Giannis standards and that was a 20 and 10 game but he's playing out of his mind right now this is similar to what LeBron was able to do in game one of the finals when J.R. Smith blew the game and was had like that 40 point triple double we're seeing that from Giannis game after game and hopefully we see it game after game after game after game after game after game. Win, lose, or draw the finals. What we're seeing from Giannis is freaking unstoppable, and he's been the best player in this series by far. Nobody's playing as well as Giannis is right now, and it's the reason why the Bucks even have a chance against the Suns or were able to blow them out like they did. Just him single-handedly disrupting the zone defense of the Suns, making them have to get about the zone and stop running small ball and force DeAndre Ayton back on the floor and him picking up his fifth foul early in the fourth. Like, they, they could, they, there's no answer for him. And there won't be an answer for him moving forward. The boy is incredible, man. It's incredible. So, big shout-out to him, helping to push the Suns' lead back to double digits, put the game away, and being two games in a row, him putting the team on his back and saying, the moment is not too big for me. Next person I'm going to talk about is Drew Holiday. He just showed up and played well this game, having his best game in the finals, um, in his best game since Game 6 in Atlanta, putting up 21 points, 9 assists, and 5 rebounds, hitting 5 for 10 from deep, that's 50%. And going 8 for 14 from the field, a little over 50%. His defense 
once again was amazing. We talked about it, picking up full court, um, making the game hard for Chris Paul. And you know what? He gave Devin Booker problems when he had chances to guard Devin Booker. I thought that was interesting. Even P.J. Tucker, who uh, I said, you know, maybe doesn't really have a place for him in this series. He didn't do anything that showed me. He didn't play any different really than before but his team just played better at home and he he played good defense he he's a solid defender and he's gonna defend and he, he did a good job so big shout out to drew once again i talked about the pick and roll him having a ball in his hands as a creator and as a playmaker a little bit more in this game is exactly what the suns needed i mean exactly what the bucks needed and he, the assist totals go to show you uh next chris middleton i talked about this a couple series ago with the bucks that when are we going to get a game where all three guys score 20 or more points? We haven't seen that yet. I don't know if we're going to see it, but to me, that was holding them back is we haven't seen them be able to click. Well, this is as close as we got. Middleton put up 18 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists. So that's 18 for Middleton, 21 for Drew, and 41 for, for Giannis. What a game by the Bucks big three. Yes, they do have a big three. I don't care if you don't like their big three. It is a big three. Um, seven rebounds, six assists to round out that 18 points. And just a solid game overall. Middleton, who didn't shoot the leather off the ball, but was efficient, 42% from the field, 42% from the three, and did exactly what he needed to keep his team afloat. He hit shots. It was a quiet 18 points, but he hit shots when they needed shots to go in. In the first quarter, keeping the lead, the Suns from building the lead that got out of hand, he hit a couple shots. Same thing in the second when they were coming to build, break breaking their lead down in the second and third quarters, he was able to do enough to make a couple shots to slow down their runs, slow down their runs, or put a halt to it before Giannis was able to take over all the way. So big ups to Chris Middleton and the way he played. And lastly, you know, each team is pretty much six to seven deep at this point. So Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez were able to supplement the stars in this one, putting up 22 points combined between the two, and Portis grabbing eight rebounds along with his uh, 11 points. And I just think he's just a better fit throughout the series than Brooke Lopez as a starter. He's able to get more rebounds than Brooke Lopez and help pound them on the boards, and I think if Brooke Lopez is playing against the Phoenix Suns' second unit, he's just more effective. Pat Connaughton and P.J. Tucker uh, combined for 15 points as well, which which is basically just help. You know, all, all the scoring you can get. Without those 15 points for those two, the game is a five-point game. You don't know how that goes with two minutes left. Five-point game with the Bucks. So big ups to those guys. Able to go out there and help your superstars. Help supplement them. Help support them. Give them what they need and do the little things that they can't do. You can't ask them to do it all to supplement victory. So big ups to the Bucks. Great team win. See if they can keep it together moving on to game four. Um, now to Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, man, they just struggled to hit threes in this one. Um, they hit 20 for 40 last game. It was nowhere near it this game um, as they shot 29% from deep. They also got beat up on the boards in this one. The Bucks snagged 47 rebounds to the Suns, 36, and had seven more offensive rebounds. Um, than the than the Suns in this game, and I think that was basically due to DeAndre Ayton having foul trouble. Even though DeAndre Ayton doesn't grab every defensive rebound, we've seen games where he's had 22 rebounds and over 20 rebounds throughout these playoffs. Multiple games with double doubles. I think him having foul trouble and him playing and in his mind knowing that he has two to three fouls. Uh, it forces you to not play as hard. You can't box out as hard. You don't want to get that foul on a, a loose ball foul on a rebound. And I think that's why 
the Bucks were able to get seven more opportunities on the glass. Just Aiden being not able to play. And lastly, second time in a row, the Bucks had under 10 turnovers and the Suns had over 10. Uh, putting up 14 turnovers for the Suns in this one. And the Bucks were able to keep it under nine. Uh, the, or keep it nine and under. The last time they did this, they still lost in game two. But this time, they were able to pull out a 20-point victory and they were just able to take care of the ball. Uh, CP3, he led the way for the Suns, 19 points, 9 assists, but had 4 turnovers in this one. Still shot the ball well. He just didn't have that dominant 30-point game that he usually has. The Suns, this this game didn't get a dominant performance out of any a performance out of anyone. They played basically uh, regular Suns basketball. Move the ball, everybody getting their looks, which is fine. But when you're playing like that and certain guys don't show up, like Cameron Payne, he had an okay game. He didn't have a... a 12 to 15 point Cameron Payne game. Uh, Mikael Bridges, he only had four points. He didn't have 10 to 15 points. So when you when you depend on your whole team to score that way and play that way, and you have certain guys just not able to show up, it's gonna hurt you. And you know Chris Paul didn't have the 30 point game, only 19, and and, and it hurt. That being said, silver lining for Chris Paul with Devin Booker having a rough game in this one. If you guys win the title, you're going to win fi the finals, and you're going to win finals MVP too. So go ahead and close out these last two games. Jake Crowder. Jake Crowder and DeAndre Ayton both put up 18 points for the Suns. Crowder getting all his points from deep, going 6 for 7 from 3 and 6 rebounds. Uh, usually when Crowder's hitting threes like that and he's giving you 18 points, you can't, you can't convince me that the Suns would lose, let alone lose by 20. Um, but, you know, when Devin Booker's struggling, it is what it is. Um, DeAndre Ayton added nine rebounds with his 18 points and shot the ball great, eight for 11 from the field. But like we said, his his special talent, his superpower, his ability to stay out of foul trouble is what is so beneficial to this Suns team because they don't, they don't have a lot of big men depth. They play in Frank Kaminsky. Uh, Jalen Smith, who they drafted, I think, 10th overall, 10th overall. Yeah, he's getting no burn in the finals. Now I would love to see him play. I don't think he could be much worse than what Frank Kaminsky is out there putting up. So maybe they move forward, they get they find some minutes for him, but only playing 24 minutes in this game uh for DeAndre Aiden. And last game he played, I believe, 36. And the game before that, he played over 40. So they definitely missed him being on the floor. And I I, I say if they if he can stay out of foul trouble. The Suns are a totally different team, and I don't know if the Bucs can beat them. Next, man, D-Book. We, we've mentioned him struggling, but let's talk about how bad he truly struggled uh, heavily in this one. We said he was 2 for 11 in the first half. Didn't get much better after that, going 3 for 14 in the game, only scoring 10 points. Still able to grab his six rebounds, so goes to show He's still being aggressive. He still played within himself. He didn't change the style of play. He just get, couldn't get his shot to fall in this one. Um, I just expect more from Devin Booker as far as scoring the ball moving forward. And sometimes it's just not your night. I'm not going to beat up this guy. I'm not going to say, you know, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. This is not something that has been consistent with him. He had really solid games the last two games. He just came out and couldn't shoot the ball this one. Couldn't get to the line in this one. Um, wasn't able to finish, so. It just comes with it. You know, some nights it's just not your night. Cam Johnson just continues to produce, but his production unfortunately came in small sports, spurts. We talked about it earlier. He played 30 minutes in this game and scored 14 points. But the majority of that point of, of those points came in a 10-minute window of the third quarter. So in that 10 minutes he played in the third quarter, he had 10, 10 points, which means 
the other 20 minutes that he played in this game, he was only able to combine four for four points in 20 minutes. So it's rough. You know, it's rough. You, you got to find a way to make him more effective in the game and for him to kind of keep his win and be able to be effective in multiple sports. Because let's say that 10-minute spurt he had in the third quarter and his other 10-minute spurts, if he were able to put 10 points in 10 minutes, that's 30 points in the game, and they win this game handedly. So, you know, just something to keep your mind on. Once again, we're not going to overreact, right? The Suns took care of business and won two games at home. The Bucks came out and won their first game at home like they're supposed to. Game three, as much as we say, as much as players want to say, and as much as, as fans, as we look at it, you play every game like it's game seven. Every game isn't a game seven. Um, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of pressure on the Suns to go out and win this game, even though they did try to win it. They just weren't able to pull it off as the Bucks' playoff life were on the line, and they played like it. Uh, moving forward, though, I will say this: I do not think it, that the I don't think the Suns will win this finals if they lose Game Four. I think Game Four is very pivotal, 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 pivotal. Excuse me. I think game four will be pivotal for both pivotal for both teams moving forward. That word kicked my ass. Um, the Suns definitely need to get to the rim, uh, need to attack, need to put pressure on those big men, force them into foul trouble, and open up the driving lanes for themselves to move forward and win this game. Because I think the confidence that they have already going back into Phoenix, the crowd is going to be rocking, and especially if you're up three one. Going back into Phoenix for Game 5, I do not see the Bucks getting out of there alive. That being said, you let the series get tied. Of course, your son, your son's crowd is going to be going to be super excited and super and super frantic, but it guarantees Game 6 back to Milwaukee. Losing Game 4, it guarantees you have to take a trip back to Milwaukee. And that means if, hey, Milwaukee, hey, if we go out and lose Game 5 against the Suns, it sucks. But they got to come beat us at home to seal the deal. And if we beat them at home and go into Game 7 in Phoenix, anything can happen in the Game 7. But I do think the Bucks have the best player in the series in Giannis. And Giannis is completely unstoppable. And Giannis is going to have a game, if he keeps it up, where he has 50 to 60 points. And if that happens, it's over. So something to keep our minds on moving forward. The finals, none of the games have been super competitive. But the series as a whole has been amazing. It's been amazing. We don't know what's going to happen next. Um, can't really say who's going to win game four. It just depends on how each team comes out. Basically, if if the Phoenix Suns are hitting shots and can, and, and can keep DeAndre Aiden out of foul trouble, it's it's trouble. If the Suns cannot, I mean, if the Bucks cannot settle for threes, get the ball in paint and keep up their defensive intensity, the Bucks are going to win the series. So, Going to be interesting to see what happens in Game 4. I will definitely be tuned in as we inch closer to the end of the season, the beginning of football season. Uh, with the world, uh, the Olympics are heating up. We've seen some teams play. Australia uh, Australia won a tight game against, man, I can't think of off the top of my head who they played. But a lot of pros on the floor. Luis Scola in Argentina. A lot of pros on the floor. I just, uh, Luis Scola still looks like he can play. It's just... I'm excited moving forward. I mentioned USA losing to Nigeria, and I know we have the better team. I know we have the better players, but I don't know, man. These The Olympics, the international play is a lot different now moving forward, man. A lot of NBA players come from international or 
even us as a people, Americans, we're more into like finding out what our roots are. We have a lot more people who are different ethnicities, uh, minorities in our country saying, hey, I want to find out what I truly am, where I truly come from. Um, the more we have people coming over here, we have, you know, people who are born and raised in America, but they have Nigerian roots. And that's what we saw as we saw uh, Precious Achua, uh, rookie in the NBA, playing for Team Nigeria. You got Luka Doncic for Slovenia. You got uh, just different players on these different teams. And it's going to make for a very interesting uh, interesting Olympics moving forward. And if we can't tighten it up, and if America keeps taking teams lightly, we could definitely be upset. So we'll cover the Olympics when we get there. Definitely had to mention what happened. Um, go back to our quote before we close out. Hold fast to dreams. For if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. That is Langston Hughes. This is your boy Ice Cold. Thank you so much. As you know, this is the part of the episode where we beg. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about this amazing podcast. Make sure you're tuning in. If you want merch, please hit up DC4L, Custom Tees. He's got these fire t-shirts. And let me tell you, they are so comfortable. Um, make sure you review. Leave a review. Subscribe. Share. Message me. Let's talk sports. Hit me up. We can talk sports all day. I will talk sports with anyone. Of you guys, thank you so much for all the love and support. It means the world to know that you guys are listening to what I put out. All right. As always, it's been your boy, Ice Cold. This is the Ice Cold Show. And as always, it's been a thinnack. Like this, and you ain't never hit the trap like this. So stop front, nigga. I stayed down for the come up. A nigga grinding to the sun up. I'm trying to stack these funds up. Make sure I raise my sons the right way. Could give a fuck about what you might say. It ain't